say amen. Test, 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 test. Praise the Lord. Test, 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 test. Can you hear me now? All right, all right. We'll work it out. Praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, how many know it as well? It is well. Even if it doesn't feel like it, it is well. It is well with my soul. Sometimes you have to just say that to yourself, even though everything around you is saying it's not well. You have to, as David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. And so, how many are encouraged already today just by that song alone? It is well. Praise the Lord. Oh, is it on now? <laughs> well, we'll work it out at Fearless University. How about that? Tomorrow night, it'll be, it'll be on and pumping. Uh, we thank God today. Let us just give the Lord a praise for the experience that we've had in them already. <laughs> praise you, the Lord. I want to just take a moment to recognize uh, Sister Beatrice and her daughter, Maxine, that are here with us today. She's been sick for some time. Where are you, sweetheart? I've been in Florida. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. God is good all the time. Uh, the Lord is good. Come on, say amen. And we just praise God. We've had others that have been sick that uh, are back in our midst. And uh, the pastor has been gone for a little while, too. And uh, it's good to be back home. Amen. And uh, we look forward uh, until tomorrow when the Lord is going to use us to advance his kingdom uh, in our area of the vineyard as we begin this teaching series on Fearless University. Uh, for those of you who are trying to figure out what this is, it's uh, an opportunity for us to go to school. Come on, say amen, somebody. Uh, we're going to school, and we're going to get school in the book of Daniel. We're going to look at the prophetic teachings of the book of Daniel and how they apply to our lives today. And I'm expecting the Lord to do greater uh, this time than he did the first time at our Ten Commandments series. How many are expecting greater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, the reason why I'm expecting greater is because the warfare this time is off the chains. Um, the enemy just, you know, I mean, simple stuff. I got home last night and my dogs broke out, tore the house up. I got some puppies, little puppies, and just tore the house up. I spent two hours trying to straighten up stuff Amen. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Stuff was everywhere. Yeah. So drained and tired after I was finished. I said, look at the enemy. Look at it. Look at him. And I was fit to be tied, angry, yelling at everybody. And uh, I said, this is the enemy. I said, look at him. It didn't hit me till this morning. My wife and I got in prayer. So brothers and sisters, I just want to make you aware of something. If you are not in the game, get in the game. Staying on the sidelines is not going to prevent you from the attack of the enemy. I've been doing this long enough. Now, I'm, I'm a young man, but I've been doing this long enough to know that anytime you go on the aggressive against Satan and try to get folks saved, in other words, when you're trying to do the work that the church is supposed to be doing in the first place, when you try to get in line with God's purpose, the enemy gets angry. 
Now, y'all loved, y'all loved me uh, the first six months that I've been here. Uh, amen, somebody. I said, Pastor, we, we, okay, we'll do, we'll do Ten Commandments. Thirty days later, but Pastor, you know, you know, you know Pastor, you, you know. And uh, I just want you to know, we're not here to win a popularity contest. Anyway. We're not here for that. And um, I just want you to be prepared. Wednesday night's message was intentional. Um, don't get distracted. Stay focused. Now is not the time to start uh, chilling out spiritually. But it's time to move it to a whole nother level in our relationship with God. Would you say amen? amen. And so I would that you would just uh, turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 15th chapter. And let us just stand and honor the word of God uh, again. Uh, you know why we do all this standing and so you won't go to sleep uh, in here. Uh, now we know it's warm today, uh, but we, we are making the adjustment. And I feel a little bit more breeze. How many feel it? Say amen. Okay, a few folks said amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so I'm having you stand one more time. Somebody said, Pastor, but the more you make me stand, the, the, tired, the more tired I'm getting. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do for you, uh, my friend, except just pray that the Lord will enable you to be able to hear what the Lord has to say today. Uh, praise the Lord. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, we are, we are going to go out. The Pathfinders have got their drums together. Every member of this church, we're asking you to come out, meet us here at 5, bring a T-shirt and some jeans. Uh, that's going to be our year. We're going to blanket this whole community with flyers and prayer. And uh, thank you for the amen. We're going to blanket this whole community with flyers and prayer. Amen. Somebody's going to get a flyer. They're going to come here, surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And uh, we are claiming that. If you claim that, just lift your hands right now. If you're in agreement with the pastor that we are going in the name of Jesus, just lift your hand. Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible in Matthew, the 15th chapter. And I want to I wanna start with uh, verse 20, 21. And uh, there, direct our attention to this particular pericope, I think, that will enlighten us and uh, strengthen us as we move forward in the work of God. Uh, when you have found it, would you just say amen? Amen. amen. And it is on the screen. I'm going to read for the New King James Version this morning. The Bible says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And parted uh, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, don't, don't, don't miss that. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me. Anybody prayed that prayer lately? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good, sister, to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, 
Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I want to preach this morning under the subject, it's the dog in me. It's the dog in me. You may be seated. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that there will be no confusion today as to where you are going and what you are saying. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. One of the things that I'm beginning to find out is, especially in the age of technology that we're living in, is that it is increasingly getting more in vogue to multitask. Uh, Multitasking is in style. Uh, There's actually a word for people who are on the Internet, on their cell phone, and doing something else at the same time, which leaves my mind. I, 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 too, have been guilty of trying to multitask, and I want to emphasize trying to multitask, because all the ladies will agree with me that men are not very good at multitasking. Now, there's some brothers in here who take offense to that, but the truth of the matter is uh, the great majority of us uh, brothers, uh, Brother Conwell, have a hard time doing two things at once, let alone three things at once. Uh, you know, I'm one of the main ones who gets real nervous when I'm driving, especially on interstates, and I see people uh, uh, texting and talking on their cell phones. However, I must be honest with you that I am, as my children have tagged me, a, uh, see, my kids told on me yesterday because my wife told me no more texting and driving, and, and, and my son told my mother, my told Shanae, she said, uh, Daddy does that all the time. Uh, and, and, she, and, he, and he also told that daddy also, when, he, when the music is on, will raise his hands off the steering wheel. And uh, some, of, some of you have been there where, you, where the music got good to you. Come on, say amen. You know, you just, you just pray, pray for the preacher. You know, sometimes it just gets so good to me, I just take my hands off the wheel. That's the dangerous thing, though, uh, because multitasking is a very difficult thing to do. Would you say amen? Uh, multitasking is complicated because we are simply designed as human beings to be able to focus really on one thing at one time. Although we're able to do it, we're at our best when we give attention to one thing at one time. Uh, the opposite, uh, uh, well, the, the natural result of one that multitasks in life is distraction. And you've seen it now. The laws, I believe, are even here in Cleveland that it is against the law to text and drive. And you do understand that, don't you? Uh, They actually say that the brain is unable to process peripheral vision and trajectory while texting at the same time. But you can't tell that to the pastor because the pastor just keeps on doing it. It's such a habit. See, I've, I've gotten away with it for so long. Ain't been in an accident yet. And to this date, the only accident I've ever been in wasn't my fault. Yeah, we got some of those people in here. You know, just you you just have convinced yourself that I can do this thing. And the truth of the matter is, if I don't get a hold of myself, there will come a day. The statistics are revealing it that if I'm not careful and we're being serious now that I could endanger myself and my family. 
Bottom line is multitasking in the spiritual realm is no such thing at all. God does not want us multitasking our relationship with him. It is a spiritual impossibility to try to focus on God and your marriage. Watch me now. It's a spiritual impossibility to try to focus on God and your children. It is a spiritual impossibility to focus on your job and your God. It is a spiritual impossibility to try to focus on you and your God. And some of you are trying to figure out this now. But how can I, how can I handle the affairs of my life if I'm unable to multitask and do God? Well, let me tell you one reason. The first thing is God is a jealous God. God does not want to share himself even with the most mundane of activities. He is the kind of God that actually believes that he can do more in you the less you do. With God, all things are possible. You agree with that, right? However, less is more with God. I have even found out in my ministry, I, I, sometimes I've gotten so busy that I'm, I, I find myself spinning my wheels and there's not much activity. However, I have found out that when I spend more time in prayer and less time in activity, God is able to do in prayer what I could not do in activity. You see, in the spiritual realm, uh, the, 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 the order of the day is focus. Somebody say focus. See, distraction and multitasking in spiritual things won't get you anywhere but in a circle. Bottom line is God would have us to give him our full attention. And the way to focus on your marriage is to focus on God. The way to raise your children appropriately is to focus on God. The way to achieve success in your career is to seek first the kingdom of heaven. You see, the, the only way that we can accomplish anything spiritually is that we must have a singular focus. And that singular focus is what we've been teaching for the past few weeks or so. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that one thing will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Y'all missed the progression there. The man is, the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh, he's walking, not in the counsel of godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. He's standing now, then he's sitting in the seat of the scornful, and next thing you know, he's totally inactive. The Bible says, but the righteous man delights in the law of the Lord. Now watch this now. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. God is saying, I want singularness of focus. Would you say focus? I want focus. Now direction, hear me now. Somebody say direction. Not intention. Say not intention. Determines destination. Let me illustrate this. And I did this on Wednesday night, but you got to get this because we're talking about focus today. Uh, destination, not intention, determines destination. Uh, let me say it again. Uh, direction, not intention, determines destination. Are we on the same page now? Uh, so, so I said before, if I'm trying to get to, to Elder Fred Bozeman, uh, if I, in my heart, I want to get there. I mean, I'm really bad. I, I want to hook up with my brother. I mean, he's such a sharp man. He's a good man of God. I want to get to where Uncle Fred is. But, but, but if I start walking this way, come on, somebody. How many, how many know I can go on over here and hang with the Edwards? I can go on over here and hang with Dandridge? But, 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 I, but how many, I, I have every intention to get to Elder Bozeman. But I'm not going to get there, am I, everybody? Uh, because my intentions don't mean anything. I've actually got to start walking towards Elder Bozeman. 
See, if my focus is actually getting to him, then I can't be all over here with her. I can't be all over here with her. I can't be focused on the screen. I can't be trying to get a shot for the camera. I, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to keep my singularness of focus. Now, we're talking spiritual now. If I'm going to get to him, I can't, I can't look to the left or the right. But direction, not intention, determines destination. Come on, say amen. Now, if you look at this passage of scripture today, I want you to go uh, to Matthew 15 and verse 1. And I want to illustrate this in the simplest way that I possibly can to help us to understand what, in fact, God is doing and what, in fact, the devil is trying to do. Look at Matthew 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus. The Bible says, saying, why do your disciples transgress? The tradition of the elders. Now, what we're about to do is we're about to set the context for the dog in me. We're setting the context for it. We're, we're, I want you to understand what Jesus is up to. If you're able to understand what Jesus is up to, then you'll understand what Jesus is up to in your life right now. Because I know that many of you are being distracted. Many of you ha do not have singleness of purpose and singularness of focus. And so God is trying to wheel us back in and say, hey, Get this thing in perspective. One of the things I've noticed about when you fly, anybody ever been on a plane before? When you're, just before takeoff, you, you have a certain perspective. You see other planes. Uh, you see just the location. You just see the airport. You can't see all the way over in Solon. You can't see all the way over in Cle Cleveland. Only thing you can see is where you are at the airport. But the minute you start taking off and going up, your perspective begins to change. You start seeing all of Cleveland and the greater part of Cleveland. You start seeing other parts. You might even see Toledo. You get a little bit higher. You see over uh, Lake Erie. That's because your location will determine your perspective. And many of us are out of location, therefore our perspective is off, and we're not able to discern what God is doing in this season in our lives. One of the worst things that can happen to you spiritually is when you get to a place that you are so distracted by what's going on around you that you can't see what's going on above you. That's why God says that I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. What God is dealing with, he's saying, Myron, keep your focus. Myron, keep your aim towards me. Don't look to the left or the right, but keep your eyes right here. Now watch this here. Watch this now. The Bible says, uh, uh, continue, he says, the, the, the Pharisees said to Jesus, they said, why do your disciples transgress to the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now they're asking, why do they transgress the tradition of the elders? They are the church folk are mad because tradition is being broken. Now, this ain't new. Come on, say amen, somebody. Oh, uh, we're going to talk for a minute here. This ain't new. Uh, church folk for the, for the ages are more offended about tradition than they are about Bible. And we're at a point now where we don't know the difference between tradition and the Bible. People are going to believe what they want to believe. I, I, I'm on that now. You can show people a clear, thus saith the Lord. But sometimes, because they have embraced so much tradition, it's hard for them to see what God is really saying. And the minute you start talking Bible, the Bible actually sounds like the error, and the tradition sounds like the truth. 
Now, you know why people love tradition so much? Because tradition keeps you comfortable. Tradition doesn't force you to change. Tradition, there's a whole lot of traditions we have. And I'm not just talking about philosophical traditions. We have traditions of relationships. I'm going to preach the way I want today. We have, we, have, we have traditions of the way we treat people. We have traditions uh, of the way that we worship. We have traditions as, 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 to, as to the way we conduct our, our financial affairs. We, we, what, what happens with tradition is, see, tradition, the only person that owns tradition is self. God never takes ownership of tradition because God is not the father of tradition. We are the owners of tradition. That's why we get mad about broken traditions and God doesn't. Because when tradition is broken, it's an offense to us. Listen to me. Self gets caught up in the tradition instead of us getting caught up in the word. Now watch what happens here. Are y'all still with me today? The Bible says in, in verse 3, he answered and said to them, he says, uh, now you're mad about the tradition. He says, but why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So watch this now. You have two principles at work here. The church, the Pharisees are mad about tradition. But Jesus is saying, no, what you need to be offended about is that you're putting your traditions over the word of God. Now, why were they mad? They were mad because the disciples did not go through the purification ceremonies of washing their hands. In other words, these boys were from the rough side of Galilee. They were from the hood. When they were ready to eat, they just, they just did what they did. They didn't wash their hands. Come on, say amen, somebody. They just did what they did. This was a purification right that was not a biblical right it was just a tradition and the Pharisees would wash their hands for every reason because they were more concerned about the outer cleansing than they were about the inner cleansing I want y'all to stay with me here today if you'll just hold on the Bible says for God commanded still reading saying honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother let him be put to death Watch this. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Watch what happens here. The Pharisees, in order to further their tradition, made a rule that if they felt God led them to take money that was reserved to take care of their aging parents... If they felt that if God led them to take that money and give it to charity or give it to the church or give it to wherever they want it, they would, they would then take those funds and they would diss their own parents. The name of the statement is called Corbin. If they called Corbin or made a vow, then they felt that God would be pleased if they neglected their family in preference to their tradition. And notice what God is saying here. He's saying, no, 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 no. He says, you are, you are neglecting the word of God so that you can promote your own agenda. Now watch this here. 
The natural result of somebody that is caught up in their way of doing things, in their opinion, in their idea, I'm comfortable like this, this is the way I am, I'm just not going to change, everybody else has got to change for me. The natural result of that, God says, is that your heart, I hope you're hearing me today, your heart goes far from me. What's the issue? The issue with Jesus is your heart. I need, I need to get close to you today. The issue with Jesus is your heart. Watch this. Watch what Jesus says. And then we're going to talk about the dog in me. You got to see this first. So the Bible says down here at verse 16, same chapter. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Because his disciples, the disciples are like, hold on, Jesus. What are you talking about now? Watch this now. He says, do you not yet understand that whatever, now watch this now, whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated. Amen. Hopefully so. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the and they de a okay, watch this. For out of the heart proceed evil murders adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Oh, y'all just missed that. Eating pork does not make you sinful. Eating shrimp does not make you sinful. Eating chitlins does not make you sinful. Come on, talk to me in here. I'm staying right here, Emma. Am I staying right here? Uh, let me read it again because y'all are a little uncomfortable. You know why? Because you are allowing your tradition. Watch me now. You better stay right here. Now, for all of y'all who are getting real nervous. No, I, I'm going to let y'all hang in. I'm going to leave you hanging. Go ahead. For out of the heart proceedeth Thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to what? Come on, say it. Read it. This ain't spiritual eating. Come on. But to do what? Oh, y'all don't want to say it. Okay, I'll preach it all by myself. Uh, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Brothers and sisters here. Eating unclean food does not make you unclean. And eating clean food does not make you clean. Okay. Oh, oh, oh now, now, now you agree. You agree now, don't you? Uh, 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 not reading your Bible does not make you unspiritual. But reading your Bible does not make you holy. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, um, praying does not make you holy. And not praying does not make you unholy. Where my Bible folk at in here? Come on, students. Where the Bible folk at in here? You see, what we are interested in, the Bible says, David said, he says, he says, he that cometh to God, uh, he says, let him come with clean hands, 
He said, and a pure heart. See, the issue that uh, is an issue of focus. Our focus is on external stuff. Now, for all of y'all that are real nervous right now, I believe in healthful living. I believe in clean and unclean foods. But I don't think that eating clean or unclean foods makes me clean or unclean. I think it's a decision about my relationship with God that makes me clean or unclean. You see, you can't not eat pork, but then talk about people. See, you can't not touch something that's unclean, but touch somebody's wife that's not yours. Okay? You, you can't sing the praises of God and say you're leading worship, but then at the same time, you're in the club. And even if you ain't physically there, your mind is there. Come on in here, somebody. You see, the issue that God is concerned about, look at the text again, y'all. Look at the Bible again. The Bible says in verse 8, the people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. We don't pay God no favors because we come to church. We don't pay God no favors because we eat a certain way. God said, I want your heart. He said, it's best. He said, I can do more with your heart than I can do with your mouth. I can do more with your heart than I can do with your money. I can do more with your heart than I can do with your diet. I can do more with your heart than I can do with your tradition. God says, if I got your heart, I got everything. Doesn't that the Bible says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Don't get up in here telling me about how much you love God, but you don't love people. God says, I want people who want a heart. And I'm telling you now, I'm telling y'all right now, get it in your heads. We as a church are going to another level. Hear me on this. We are going to another level. And I'm going to get real arrogant here, and I know how to get us there. That's why I'm here. You prayed for me to get here. I resisted. I'm here now. Deal with it now. And what God is requiring of us is holiness. God is requiring of us submission to leadership. Not your vision, mine. Not your vision, Oh, I know you ain't liking this this morning, but you need to understand how God works. And I'm here today because of the move of God. And so as we begin to try to move to the next level, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. But see, what we're trying not to do is tiptoe around traditions. But what we want to do is start focusing on our hearts. Because I know what God will do when he has a heart. I know where God will take a church when he has our hearts. I know what God, how God will bless a family if he has our hearts. I know how God will save children when he has our hearts. Does anybody in here want God to have your heart? We're going to another level. And what I'm looking for are some dogs. Ah, I'm looking for some dogs. Lord have mercy. You see, oh, Lord, help me today. Oh, God. Ah, thank you, Lord. God is looking for some tenacious folk. Folk that are not easily offended by everything. Folk that don't let everything distract them. You say, oh, Lord, have, Lord, let me slow down. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. See, you see, this is my sermon today. Get this line. To get what you've never got, you've got to do what you've never done. That's all I'm saying today. That's the only thing I want to say. To get what you never got, you got to do what you've never done. But some of us are still trying to get and attain what we don't have, but we keep doing the same things over and over again. Up in the morning, in the car, to work, 
leave work, go home, watch television, get tired, get on the computer, go to sleep, up in the morning, same thing, doing same thing, down to work, come back home, go home, no time for prayer meeting, no time for study, no time to visit, no time to pray, no time to fast, no time to fast, no time to fast. Lord told me to tell some of y'all today that some of y'all ain't fasted in neither one of the fasts that we have called. And to do what you've never got. I hope you still love me. you got to do what you've never done. And there are things in our lives that we can't see, that God can see. And God says, I'm going to send you somebody that will make it uncomfortable for you. That's going to push buttons that you've never had pushed before to get you to go where you've never been. But you got to stop fighting me. And you got to start accepting that to get where you've never been, you got to do Desire of Ages, page 396. Whenever the message of the truth comes home to souls with special power, Satan stirs up his agents to start, to start a dispute over some minor questions. Thus, he seeks to attract attention from the real issue. Somebody say real issue. Whenever a good work is begun... There are cavaliers ready to enter into dispute over forms or technicalities to draw minds away from the living realities. When it appears that God is about to work in a special manner for his people, let them not be enticed into controversy that will work only ruin of souls. The question that most concerns us are, do I believe with a saving faith, somebody say faith, on the, on the son of God? That's the question. Where's your faith? Habakkuk said, the just shall live by tradition. The just shall live by what they've been doing. The just shall live by the round of ceremonies. The just shall live by what click I'm in, what click I come on in here. The just shall live by faith. I knew it would be a few Sabbaths before the amens would quell down. I just In a little while. Just say ouch if you can. But I say this in love today. God, to get you where you've never been, you got to do what you've never done. And for many of us, we are so entrenched in our routine, in our relationships, in our things, that we don't know how to break free from the stuff we're in. But that's okay, because God is an expert burglar. He will sneak up on you. He will tear up stuff in your house. He will take out stuff that you never needed in the first place. And by the time you finish, you got to start all over again. That's because God knows what to do to get you where you need to go. It don't mean nothing to get baptized only. It doesn't mean anything just to get anointed. You got to do more than come down for the appeal. You're not doing much just to come to church, but you got to change what you're doing you see you can have revival but revival without reformation is nothing but a person who's on their way back to spiritual death you gotta shift somebody say shift you cannot do what you've been doing and get what you never had 
That's why some of you are always angry because you won't praise him. And you think you're too cute to praise him. I'm going here this morning. But some of y'all would do yourselves well to get up off your nice looking suit and just throw your head back and say, hallelujah. That was your cue right there to give God praise. And some, some, some of you would do well to just take a moment and just thank him with a dance just to get yourself out of where you are because you're too comfortable where you are. God says, I got to pull you out. Now watch this here. Watch how God does this. Now, God, what God is trying to do is he's trying to pull faith out of us. Are, are you with me in here? Y'all better move this out of the way. Uh, God is trying to pull. Now hear me. Hear me. Because I've said this enough times now for y'all to know that you need to pray for me. My family and I are going through it. And how many have caught a glimpse at the pastor saying that at least one time? How many heard me say at least one time? And I have divulged to the elders what in fact it is. But I really know what it is. It's not an attack of man. It's an attack in the spirit. You see, but many of us are too carnal to see when it's the devil and when it's God. And so, 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 so don't think I'm here to, to hammer down on you. I'm telling Edmonds today, keep your head. Keep your focus to do what I've never done. Oh, come on, I have to go where I've never been. I got to do what I've never done. So the first thing God will do, watch this now, is God will re-educate you on what really matters. You want to write that down. He'll re-educate you on what matters. When you lose your family in divorce, it may not be immediate, but in a few days. Come on, somebody, all my divorced folk know what I'm talking about. In a little while, you'll feel something's missing. Huh? Uh, when you've lost a loved one, you, you begin to sense. I kind of missed out on what matters. Uh, when you lose a job, Sam, you begin to say to yourself, ah, I've forgotten what matters. And, and notice God gave him his job back when he got clear on what matters. And see, the things that are happening in our lives right now, the things that are happening in this church is God. It's God trying to pull faith out of us. And you can't pull juice out of an orange by just looking at it. That's such a beautiful little orange. Juice, come out. Come on out, juice. Come on out. Give me something to drink, juice. Ah, you gotta, you gotta, man, I got, you gotta take that thing. Are you hearing me in here? And the squeeze is what you're avoiding, but the squeeze is not the devil. The squeeze is God. God's saying there's something inside of you that I'm trying to pull out of you, but you're too busy fighting against the squeeze. But if you would just be still. Let me read something to you. Uh, go to Psalms. Holy Ghost. Let me, let me, let me, let me, go to Psalms. I hope I can find it. Psalms 137, 38. Watch this. Oh, Lord. 130, 
Uh, let me see here. Let me see here. Let's see if it's 135. Lord, have mercy. Somebody pray that the Lord show me this text. Ah, 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 Yes, I think I. Yes, yes. Psalms 139. See, this came in my devotion. See, when you don't have devotion, the Lord wouldn't be able to deposit this in my spirit. So I could, don't watch this here. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Did you hear that? The Lord knows you. You don't know you. The Lord knows you. Your wife don't know you. The Lord knows you. Church folk don't know you. The Lord knows. The board of health, the deacons don't know you. The Lord knows you. And, and, and watch this now. What, what verse are we at, y'all? Verse 3, he, he says, you comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have, now here, here's the part. This is a squeeze right here. You have hedged me behind. Come on in here, somebody. And before, and laid your hand on me. Jesus. Woo! Are you hearing me today, y'all? And, and, notice, and notice, what, notice what the Lord says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. You see, God puts his hand on us. And for those of us who are not where God wants us to be, his hand always feels uncomfortable. His hand always feels like a squeeze. But because the Lord knows us, the Lord knows exactly how to put his hand. He knows the exact weight and pressure. He knows the like timing and resistance. He knows how much to push and how much to resist. Because whatever you're going through right now is from the hand of God. And if it comes from the hand of God, then those thoughts are too wonderful for you. In other words, David says, I cannot make sense of what I'm going through, but it's good to know that the Lord has his hand on me. Oh, I don't know about you today, but it's just good to know that when you don't know what way you're going, when you don't understand what you're thinking, when confusion has set in, the Spirit of the Lord says, I got my hand on you. I put my hand all on your life, and nobody can pluck you out of my hand. What you need to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You need to hold on and don't move. Not to the left or to the right. Hedge me in, Lord. Put your hand on me. Keep me where I need to be. God, if you don't put your hand on me, I'll blow it. If you don't keep your hand on me, I'll lose my mind. If you don't keep your hand on me, I'll lose my marriage. If you don't keep your hand on me, I'll lose my job. If you don't keep your hand on me, I'll lose my soul. God, keep your hand. Keep your hand on me. Somebody ought to say yes. Lord, put your hand on me. Now here, watch the squeeze here. I got to go. Second thing is, the Lord will relocate you 
He will relocate you. He will relocate you from comfort zone to no control zone. Everybody listen to me right now. God wants you to not be in control. Many of us predicate our whole lives on being in control. But when you are living according to the power of the Holy Spirit, your life becomes unmanageable. God does not want you managing your life. God wants you surrendering your life. So watch what happens in the text. Bible says this woman comes out and she's a Canaanite woman but she says and a Canaanite woman coming to a Jew is the equivalent of a black person going to a Ku Klux Klan member asking for help you have to understand the relationship the relationship between Canaanites and between Jews you got to remember God told him in Deuteronomy the 20th chapter God told you he said when y'all go into promised land kill all of them kill them now, that's a little different from clansmen just don't want us around. But the Jews were commanded by God to kill them. God said, go in there and wipe them out. And that perception of what a, and you have to understand, Canaanites were at the epitome of evil and false worship. At the pinnacle of a Canaanite worship service was an orgy. They sacrificed their children to their gods. These were very pagan, demonically driven people. But watch what God does. God says, in order to teach my church on how to have faith, I'm going to pull them away from church and take them to some real people. Y'all just missed that. Oh, no, 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 no. You didn't hear what I just said. See, one of the reasons why many of us ain't never grown is because we spend too much time around the church and not enough time around St. Clair, not enough time around East 105th. We don't spend enough time in Kinsmen and East 55th. Come on, say amen. I'm learning my way around here now. We ain't, spending, we ain't spending enough time around real people. And if you're around church long enough, you'll actually think that ministry is just standing up here singing. You'll think ministry is just standing up here preaching. You'll think ministry is getting up, lifting up your hands, saying amen. But see, see, you ain't growing by staying in here just enjoying the praise party. See, growth happens when you step outside of your comfort zone. You step outside of your relationships. You step outside of your safety place. And you put yourself in the midst of people that you can learn some stuff from. See, we think we're the only folk that know something. But a street smart person can teach you something about faith. An old lady that don't got no money can teach you something about trusting in God. You can go to the nursing home and learn how to be grateful. See, many of us are too busy, caught up here at church in our religion, doing our thing and God says I need to relocate you some of y'all been serving in the, in, the, in the same ministries for too long it's time for a shift you ain't learning nothing doing what you've been doing you're still the same person in order for you to go to another level you need to have a relocation come on say amen somebody so watch what she did she came out of her comfort zone and she went after a man that was perceived as a racist. But let me tell you something. When you really need something and you're desperate, it doesn't matter who has it. 
It doesn't matter how it looks. See, can we talk about dogs for a minute? That's why I call the sermon the dog in me. You see, Jesus called this girl a dog. Let's call, let's call a spade a spade. He called her a dog. But see, God knows something about dogs that many of us hate the idea of. You see, dogs are desperate. They don't discriminate. I mean, I, 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 for example, at my dinner table, all kind of stuff falls off the table. But my dog doesn't look at it and say, uh, is this Purina? Uh, y'all better throw something else down here because I'm not eating that. Simply because when you're hungry and you want something to eat, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter whether it's puppy chow. Doesn't matter whether it's a generic brand. I just want something to eat. Doesn't matter if it's a half a bagel. Doesn't matter if it's a piece of somebody's grits. When you're hungry, you'll put your mouth out, lick all over the floor, and you'll get whatever you can get because desperate people to get what you've never got you got to do what you've never done. I'm almost finished. Can I tell you something real quick? You know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist preacher to this day? Because this bougie kid whose mom and dad my, dad, my dad is a preacher, my mom is a lawyer. Bottom line is, I came from an upper-class family. Bottom line. You can twist it any way you want. When you join the Adventist church, it moves you up several social classes. Tell the truth. Some of y'all, when y'all joined this church, you were, you were in the projects, and now you walk around here with your hat on like you're the queen of Sheba. Come on in here. Come on in here. Some, that's what I love about our church. A brother don't even have to have a job, but, a, but an Adventist brother just walk around like he owned Microsoft. So y'all know what I'm talking about. But check this out now, real quick, I grew up in a home, I tell people all the time, I didn't grow up in the ghetto, but the ghetto grew up in my house. And all y'all know, all my siblings are adopted except me. And I had, I mean, anything you can imagine was in my house. But you know what I realized? I said, God is relocating me. See, God had to allow me to grow up in that environment so I wouldn't be bougie, stuck up, arrogant, sophisticated, and forget about where I've come from and not be driven to see people like that saved. You see, but when you don't have no friends that got no problems, when you don't got no toleration for people that got issues, when you so when somebody gets baptized and then you hear they do something crazy and you're already ready to get rid of them, then there's something wrong with you. But when you live in the hood or the hood lives in your house and when you're around good people that have problems, you're patient with them, you understand their plight. Some of y'all are those people. Some of y'all are sitting here right now and you know if it hadn't been for the grace of God, you still be out there strung up, you still be out there with a needle in your arm, you still be out there gambling, you still be out there running out on your wife, you still be come on in here. But because his mercy endures forever. So he got to get you out of your comfort zone. Number three, and it's my final point. He will resist you enough to pull faith out of you. Now, the perplexing part about this story is how Jesus treated this woman. Now, I don't care what y'all say. Jesus was dissing her left and right. Homegirl comes up to Jesus, man. And first thing she said, she said, Jesus, I mean, have mercy on me. I mean, the Bible even says that her daughter is severely demon-possessed. She got problems. 
She's taking her gods to the false gods. They couldn't do nothing for her. She laid her hands on. She had the elders come on, lay hands. Nothing happened. She, she, she tried to talk to the girl, and nothing happened. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, where you got a situation in your life that the enemy has just said, I got dominion over this. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about right now. There are, there are places and things in your life where the enemy has set up dominion. He set up camp. He says, I ain't going nowhere. It's going to stay like this, and it ain't going to never change. That was her situation. So she was so desperate. She said, Jesus, if you can do anything, can you set my daughter free? You know what Jesus did? The Bible says he answered her not a word. Now watch this now. God resists us in order to pull faith out of us. Then the Bible says... She said, uh-uh, Jesus. The Bible says that she fell down and she worshiped him, which is to say she grabbed both of his ankles and she started hollering. She started begging. There was a story told uh, about two years ago. Uh, it was a woman who up in the, 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 the northern, uh, northern California, the mountains, her and her husband uh, were, were mountain biking. And, and out of nowhere, a mountain lion came out. And the mountain lion began to maul her husband. At first, she took out a stick and she started beating the mountain lion. And the mountain lion, once he gets his grip on you, more than a pit bull, the pressure of his grip cannot be loosed. And he has her husband. She's watching her husband die. But see, desperate people take desperate measures. And so she took the stick and she was beating the, with the stick and, and she was hoping something would happen. And then the story says, then she just opened her mouth and started hollering at the mountain lion. She just looked the mountain lion in the eye and just said, get off my husband. Leave him alone. And she said she just lost it and started hollering. I said, God, there's a praise in there. I said, that's the, that, that's the kind of breakthrough we need in the body of Christ. See, some of y'all trying to be too cute with it. Some of y'all trying to be too smooth with it. Some of you trying to be too Adventist with it. Some of you trying to be too Baptist with it. Some of you trying to be too Pentecostal with it. What you need to do is just get desperate with it. What you need to do is just get a dog in you that said, get out of my house. Get out of my family. Get out of my marriage. But many of us don't want the results because we are comfortable with the dysfunction. So watch what she does. Watch what she does. She's grabbing his ankles now. Jesus. And the disciples, they, you know, the disciples, they even got hard with it. He said, yeah. Jesus, why is she crying out after us? Now, she ain't asked for them Negroes yet. Come on, say amen. She did not call out for them one time. But see, that's how church folk are. But well, what they coming here for? Why they up in here with all these problems? Or why, 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 why they need what we got? There's a church across the street. Y'all go get some food over there. Now, it ain't time to serve the food yet. Y'all get yourselves together. Uh-uh, I can't help you right now, baby. I don't got no money. Uh-uh, I got my own problems. I don't got no time to pray for you. You see, then we get that kind of attitude. And you know what? And so watch it now. And so homegirl, see, most of us at this point would have left. And see, that's what most of you are doing. You're right at this stage right now. But instead of pressing forward, instead of just getting down right like a dog, what you're doing is still trying to maintain, still just hoping that what you've been doing is going to get you out of where you are, and you're going to stay where you are until Jesus comes and you're going to hell. So watch this. Homegirl, most of us would have, would have said, forget you then. But watch what she does. The Bible says, she says, Lord... I know you can bless me. I can almost see the girl with a little grin on her face like, yeah, I know what you're doing. I ain't going nowhere. I heard what you did for them 10 lepers. I heard what you did for that blind man. I heard what you did for that mother. I heard what you did with that man that had 5,000 demons. I heard what you, Jesus, I ain't going nowhere. 
looking at the disciples, y'all better leave me alone because I'm staying right here. I'm going to pitch my camp right here. And me and my daughter ain't going nowhere until we get what we came for. And see, some of us would get what we came for if we had an attitude that says, I ain't leaving without it. And so watch this. I'm closing now. So watch what she does. Then Jesus goes over the top. Now, there are two words for dog in the Greek. One of them actually means the B word. That's, what, that's how Jews would refer to Canaanites. He could have chosen that word. But instead, Jesus says, I'm going to pull this thing out of her. Jesus says, all right, woman. It is not meat for me to give the children's food first. Watch that now. That's what he said. Look at the text. He said, first. And see, when she heard first, that automatically meant if there's a first, then the <laughs> and, if, and if I ain't second, I'll be third. And if I ain't third, I'll be fourth. And if I ain't fortieth, I'll be fiftieth. And I ain't fifth, I'll be second. I'm gonna get. And, and, so, and, so, and, so, and, so, and so she said, okay, this is a bad woman right here. See, you can't, you can't not be desperate and get this kind of blessing. Homegirl said, okay. All right, Jesus. But even the dogs can get the crumbs that fall at the master's table. Listen, Jesus, I really don't even need a full meal. She was just like, I'm just comfortable to open my mouth and put it at the edge of the table. And whatever drops, drops. Because I know that there's enough power in just a kernel of your bread. As there's power in a whole loaf of bread, I know there's enough anointing in one kernel of corn as there is in a whole kernel of corn. I know I can get enough just out of one yes. I don't need you to say yes to everything else. Just say yes to me getting my, what my blessing is. You see, you got to have that kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, I see what you're saying. I see the resistance that you're doing. But I shall not be moved. I'm like a tree. That's planted by the rivers of waters. I shall not be moved. I'm not going nowhere, Jesus. But I'm going to stay right here. I know what I've been through and I can't go back without it. My daughter is possessed with a demon. But I'm calling on your name. Hey, Jesus. Jesus. How I trust you. How I prove you more and more. Jesus. Jesus. Precious Jesus, all for grace to trust you more. And that lady said, she said, all right, Jesus. She said, you think that, that, that I'm just that too, uh, just easy to run off somewhere? She said, no, I command it, Lord, because you promised it. She said, Jesus, just give me a crumb. Just give me a little bit. Just give me whatever you can tell me. Because if you give it, I'll be satisfied. If you give it, I'll be blessed. If you give it, my daughter will be healed. If you give it, my family will be resected. If you do it, my marriage will come together. But Jesus, I'm not going nowhere until I get what you promised me. Come on, somebody in here. Do I have any desperate folk in here? Folk that need, you are not ashamed of how you look 
You're not ashamed of what people are saying. You're not looking around to see what's going to happen next. But you're saying, Lord, I need a blessing. Lord, I need you to work it out. Say, Lord, 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 I need a miracle. And the Bible says, at that very moment, to get what you never got, you got to do what you never done. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. On your feet, if you need God to do work something out for you. On your feet, if you need God to do it. See, I am not going to be content just this way it's going to be. This is who I am. Uh, desperate measures require desperate action. At least fast about it. At least spend the night in prayer about it. At least work at it. At least be open to criticism. Don't give up when God is resisting you. Hold on. To get what you've never got, you got to do what you've never done. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. As I make this call right now, this invitation to step out of comfort and move towards commitment to doing whatever it takes. For some of us, it's going to take to start coming to church consistently. For some of us, it's going to take praying, studying. For some of us, it's going to take us coming outside of our circle, of our affections, of our comfort and I declare to you today the just shall live by faith you got you have got to trust God and step out somebody today needs to step out on faith I don't know what God is calling you to do but you know who you are you need to you need to get what you never I've been preaching to you the whole time you need to be moving right now and you've been fighting against the prick You've been fighting against what God is doing. And you are so comfortable. Comfortable is a dangerous spiritual position. And I, 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 my burden today is that many of us are going to be perpetuating a lifestyle of no power, no victory. Come as you are and stay as you are instead of coming as you are and leaving better than you came. And this is especially dangerous for those of us who've been in the ark of safety, who've been around church, who've just been getting by. You gotta, you gotta go higher. You gotta go higher. God is expecting more out of you. If you know that you need to go higher, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God has already been dealing with you on some stuff. You know what I'm talking about. You know I'm preaching to you today. The Spirit of God is all over me to tell you, you get to get what you've never got. 
For somebody, it's just as simple as going to school, finishing your education. For some of you, it's just learning how to work stuff out in your family and stop giving up. How many are glad that Jesus didn't give up on you? Are y'all hearing me in here? Are you glad that you serve a God that doesn't just fall back just because you... My God is tenacious. My God is faithful. My God does not just let any old diss that we give to him say, I'm done with him. The same attitude that God has towards us, he expects out of us for others. Is there anybody today that needs to join the church? Come on out of your seat right now. If you need to join God's church, you need to give your life to him today. Come on, let's just sing this song. And don't y'all just stand looking around. You better call on the name of Jesus because we prayed this morning for a mighty breakthrough. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so. Come on, the Lord is calling you. The Lord is calling you right now. Whoever you are, God says, come down here to get what you've never got. You got to do what you've never done. Where are you? Just to take. Come on, there ought to be more. There ought to be more. Are you comfortable where you are? Are you satisfied in your walk with him? Uh, or, or do you feel like...